0: Hey Ryan, how you doing? I'm oh, doing pretty good, how are you sir? I'm doing pretty well. Um, today we are doing, um, our second episode in a week. Yeah, so that's almost unheard of for us. Um, I'm very much looking forward to this one. I have uh, a new microphone myself, so if the sound quality is a little bit strange this week, I'll, you'll have to let us know. Um... But um, I'm glad to be back for the second week in a row. Um, Still virtual, because the walls are getting extremely close now to both of us. Um, Yes, very. And we kind of both believe that this is going to (laughs) be... It's just a matter of time at this point. So, So, um, I would be remiss a little bit if we didn't just take a minute this morning... Uh, last night, obviously, big news that um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. We were lucky enough to see her in person about three years ago, um, saw her speak. Um, and that was really cool. Um, so uh, really kind of sad to see her go. That one, you know, we talk about celebrities. We, You and I, we talk about movies all the time and, and celebrities. But generally speaking, mm-hmm. celebrity or famous people death doesn't really bother me. But this one kind of got to me a little bit.
1: Yeah. Hmm. You know, it is one of those, you know, we might be a little bit more muted today because we're still dealing with her death and what it's going to mean on everything coming up, so.
0: Yeah. So, um, we're going to try something here. There we go. Um, so, yeah, we are, we're definitely um, feeling that a little bit today and um, would be remiss not to say uh, to say a couple words about her. But, um we're going to move on today to do a kind of um, Mount Rushmore of movie directors. Yes. Now, now neither of us has mentioned any of these to the other person, correct? That is correct. So you I don't have
1: know what you have and you don't know what I have.
0: Right. Neither one of us knows what's about to happen. Now this could yeah. go horribly wrong. We could be like, "Well, that was easy. There were the same four people." <laughs> that
1: could be. Or I think There will be two... My guess is we will have two the same.
0: Okay. So I had to do a lot more research than you did because even though I know my directors, I wanted to make sure that I was picking what I thought were the best directors. And, I mean, if you're talking the top five of all time, or top four of all time, then, you know, you can't just look at the most popular movies, right? Yes. You have to look at what they did for The Craft... What they did for a lot of, uh, you know, were there big movies? So I have a few questions for you before we dive into this. Okay. If you take a movie director, okay? Now I've already got my four set, so this isn't going to change my four. But if you take a movie director and you take away the biggest movie that director is named for, are they? would you still consider that person to be one of the best directors of all time?
1: Yes, for mine, it wasn't so much one movie, but it was, I can't believe he did that, I can't believe he did that, I can't believe he did that, I can't believe he did that.
0: Gotcha. So take, for example, um, what, Coppola did Godfather, right? Yes. So take the Godfather series away from Coppola. Does he have enough to make the list? in I mean, not necessarily your top five, but is he a great director if you take away that best movie, the one he's known for?
1: he still has some good ones. Right. You know, it was one of those things because he has the conversation, he has Apocalypse Now, but, yeah, take away the two godfathers, that pretty much cuts his, I think, great movies about
0: in half. Okay. I don't disagree with you. I was just kind of curious what your thoughts were on that.
1: Yeah. um, Mine was, the way I was, I looked at it is the director has to have a library of titles and they have to be iconic. They can't be Oh, I've heard that's good. It's got you got to know something from it. If, like you said, a line, you'd know what it was from, or something like that. Okay. um, And also, they had to have a lasting impact on their generation and the generations afterwards. For some of my older ones, yeah. So that's how I did it.
0: I have a couple directors that are on there because of their impact on movie and filmmaking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I I have one as well, and um, they're you know, spoiler alert, they're all men. Mine are as well. I wanted to put a woman, but, you know, it's, the closest I could get was Catherine Bigelow. But, you know, this isn't an, doesn't even have it as the other four.
0: Yeah, this isn't a knock on, on women directors. There are some fantastic female directors out there.
1: It's I just, more of a knock on
0: the studio system. Yeah, it's a knock on the studio system, but also some of my directors are a little bit older. And so they're just simply were not female counterparts to those people. Yes. So, you know,
1: hopefully if we would do this in 20 years, we could put a woman on there, you know, some yeah. of the ones that are up and coming. So, you know, yeah. I really did want to do that. I wanted to add something, but I'm just like
0: – Well, I mean, I you look at you look at some of the up and coming ones and I don't know her the bulk of her work, but, you know, her work on um, Mandalorian, you look at Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. You know, she – She has the chops, obviously, with Ron Howard as her father. Uh Um, That she could get some work going forward and and really join that list. You never know. You just don't know who it's going to be. Um, Yeah, um,
1: I can't remember her name now, but she just did First Cow this year and she's done a lot of smaller mm -hmm. kind of Western films. She could be really good. Um, The one I really think, if she finds the right movie, Michelle McLaren, she directed a lot of the Breaking Bad episodes.
0: I can see that. I can see that. So going to our own list, this is where it's going to get kind of interesting because one of my initial thoughts was if you look at what this person has done for entertainment and film throughout history, how could I not include Walt Disney? However, yeah. I looked at him. He did shit for directors. Yeah, he, did, he was, he not, he was a director, not a director.
1: No, he did – Producer
0: or studio head, yes. Yes. If you if you add in just somebody's influence on on filmmaking and movies and entertainment, Disney has to be on that list. He has to be at the yeah. top of that and, list.
1: He would be on there, David Oselznick would be on yes. there. You know, there's a lot of people you could do that way
0: too. Mm hmm. So I couldn't yeah. include him. Even though I my initial thought was I wanted to. When I looked at his actual directing credits, they're generally speaking pre and mid war. Yes. And they're crap. Yeah, you know, but you he can't. Wasn't you can't. A director. No, you can't deny his creative influence as a as a production head and a studio head and everything else. But he doesn't make this list. Yeah. So in my particular instance, my top four are not in an order. I just have four. So I'm not okay. saying that this guy is my top and this guy is my four. I just have four. So the all, way
1: i the way I'm doing it is I've gone. Um, chronologically so i'm mm, going to okay. talk about the first person that made the first movie in the list okay cool so i want you to go ahead with your first person okay my first person he's the one that made the first movie he was working all the way back in the silence and mm-hmm. kept making films until i think the late 60s early 70s it's alfred hitchcock yeah okay that, that's one of the ones i think might be on both of our
0: lists that he's he on your list he's on he's the first one i was going to talk about yeah, most certainly.
1: Yes. So this was one of the two that I thought would be both on our list. Because he, you know, my criteria again was he, he had more than one movie that you remember. We could list all the movies. Oh Vertigo, Psycho, Birds.
0: To be Rear fair, Window. he had enough. You can't list all the movies just sitting here. Yeah. I mean, you and I talked about it briefly on the last podcast with North by Northwest. It's one of the ones you didn't like, but it's still a classic. Everybody knows North by Northwest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, again, if even people that haven't seen it, they've seen a few seconds of the crop duster scene. Yep. Um, You know, Vertigo is another one that everybody loves. It's not really one of my favorites, but it's It's another one that love.
0: So Hitchcock did bring up a question for me, though, and that was, you know, a lot of Hitchcock's work, especially what he's really known for, specializes in kind of that thriller genre, right? Yes. So I struggled a little bit because I'm he was going to be on the list. There was um, there's no doubt, but one of the things I struggled with with him was he really focused a lot in one genre. So do you have do you have to look at at, at directors who who stayed inside their genre for the most part? Now, obviously he had movies outside thrillers, but that's what he's known for.
1: Yeah.
0: So you know, I struggled with that a little bit. I was like, well, do I have to stay with a... Uh, is is a Mount Rushmore-style director somebody who has transcended their own genre? And I realized that, no, they don't have to be. They just have to have invented or reinvented their genre, and he certainly did that.
1: Yes, and also, if you look at his movies, they might have all the thriller aspect, but he made some really funny movies. Oh, yeah, he did. He made some very serious movies. He made some very messed-up movies. Um, he was kind of the godfather of... The slasher genre, you mm-hmm. know. Psycho is, if there wasn't a Psycho, we wouldn't have Halloween, which wouldn't have Friday the 13th, which wouldn't have Scream and all those. So, right. you know, he did horror, he did thriller, now, he did drama. Rebecca, you know, that's more of a drama.
0: True. Now, touching back on Psycho, if we hadn't had Psycho, we also wouldn't have scary movies, so I'd probably be okay with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> I, I think the ledger kind of bounces on the good, but it is kind of bad because yeah. we also have stuff like Urban Legend I that you did last summer.
0: True. But, I mean, you can't – I mean, the rest of his movies are just so good. Yeah, Hitchcock – I don't think there's a person in in the world that argues that Hitchcock's face isn't on Mount Rushmore.
1: Yeah, and you got to think of everybody he worked with, too, throughout his career. He worked right. with um, – like, the only big one I think he didn't work with was Bogart. Because, I mean, he worked with Cary Grant. He He worked with uh, Jimmy Stewart. He worked Mm -hmm. with Tigby Hedren, you know, all these people that he worked with. He could get anybody in his
0: movies. So here's the question. Which movie would you have put Bogart into where you think he would have done well?
1: Bo, let's see. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I could have seen him in North by Northwest. I think he could have done that. You Um, think so?
0: I don't know. Yeah.
1: Um, let me see. What other ones? You know, like, I think he'd be really good as the cop in, uh, sorry, wrong number. Not sorry, wrong number. Uh, Dial in for murder. Yeah. I think he would have been. Um, he would have, I think he could have done the Jimmy Stewart role in Rope.
0: Okay. So, I agree with that. I I don't, I don't know if Bogart would have done well in North by Northwest myself personally. But, yeah, for dial In for murder, most certainly I can see him in that role.
1: Yeah, so he would have been good in that. Um, yeah, Maybe I would have give, had him do something kind of against his type as well, because mm-hmm. that's what he did a lot with Jimmy Stewart. No one thought Jimmy Stewart could play this creepy guy oh, in Vertigo.
0: Stewart was great in Vertigo.
1: So maybe put him in um, to catch a thief, see if he can play the suave Cary Grant role that Cary Grant could do in his sleep.
0: Oh, yeah. There's no doubt that Cary Grant didn't have to act for most of that. He could just walk in and... That's, yeah. I, th- I think that's probably who Cary Grant was. Probably. <laughs> um, so that's our that's number one, and that's where I think you, at the beginning of the podcast, I was like, well, this could be a five-minute episode or maybe not, but I think we're going to diverge on some some of the rest of them. Maybe yeah, not all of them, so- but some of them. So go ahead. What's your next one? All
1: right. No, I want So yeah. I did the number right. one. So, so
0: you give your number two. So Hitchcock obviously was my, my first on my list. My number two, I have two directors in here. In my number two spot. And the reason is because of their cultural influence on movies. And it's Miyazaki and Kurosawa. Okay. And the reason I chose them both is because they really opened the West up.
1: So are they, like, on one or is that two of your people? That's just...
0: That's number two. So it's two people tied at number two.
1: So it's just, like, half of each of their faces?
0: Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, I Because I don't think... I don't know if either of them independently deserves Mount Rushmore but a combination of what both of them did culturally for opening the West up to Asian film and changing anime and everything else Miyazaki and Kurosawa are on that list for me
1: see that's funny because Kurosawa is on my list
0: is he? yeah
1: that's one I thought would be different I didn't think we'd both have him and he was the one that um, I was really kind of going between a few because i'm like we need someone that did a western in this you know the westerns were so big for years or
0: there's no doubt maybe
1: i should do epics like ben-hur or something like that but i kept going back to kurosawa because like you said he opened up the west he was the first big you know director that um mm-hmm. looked like an art house kind of guy he was one that a lot of people saw but all of his movies they inspired the hell out of us you know? oh most certainly um, Seven Samurai. It's it's its own genre
0: now. Yeah, Seven Samurai is, and honestly, it's weird because, for as as important a movie, as big a movie, as good a movie as I feel like it is, when I mention it, there's a lot of people I talk to who have never seen it, and I don't know why. It's just so good.
1: Yeah, they haven't seen it, but they've seen Seven Samurai. You know, they've oh, yeah. seen it in Magnificent Seven. Yep. A Bug's Life. I mean, A Bug's Life is A Bug's is just Life nice is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, that one was so huge. Um, Yojimbo is what gave us the Man With No Name trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's huge. Hidden Fortress, if we didn't have that, you know, George Lucas has said that's what really inspired him for a lot of Star Wars. Right. Yeah. And, you know, going back to what you are saying with um, – The, can they go out of their own area? He was known as a samurai. He made a lot of samurai made a lot of But he also made a beautiful movie called Mm Akuru, which is about this guy that has cancer, Mm -hmm. that is um, dying, and he wants to make a difference in the life. And it's very good and very heartfelt, and you'll have a lump in your throat while watching it. And he also made a samurai movie that kind of was different than the samurai, where it was everybody told their own perspective of it in Rashomon where like, it's four different people, but they all saw the same thing, but it's totally different. And it's just this movie that just kind of opens your mind and be like, wow. Like when I saw that when I was 15 blown away by it.
0: Yeah. So, and, and the flip side of that, Miyaz- uh, Miyazaki, I mean, I don't know many people who haven't seen whether it's many Totoro or, uh, princess monarchy or, or whatever, he really, I don't know, I don't know if you want to say, because I'm not, I'm not an anime person, I don't, I don't watch anime, I don't really know anime, um, but his influence on that genre, his influence on bringing Japanese animation to mainstream America, is, it can't be overlooked, I don't think there is another person like him, we're starting to see it now in video games, obviously, a lot of the big, uh, you know, stories coming out of video games are are Japanese artists. Um, yes. And I can't think of the one that's just came out where you are a samurai. What is that one? It's it either just came out or it's coming out.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, God, it's... I can't think of any of it. It's, I can't either. That's actually an American game, though.
0: I know, but it's it's got the influences from yeah. Japanese art. And that's what I'm saying, is, is without these kinds of people coming over, you're uh-huh. not going to see those kinds of games. You're not going to see any of this stuff. Um,
1: and I think it's funny because you wanted to put... Disney on your list, you
0: couldn't, so you put the Japanese Walt Disney. In a way, but Miyazaki directed and wrote a lot of those movies.
1: Yeah,
0: um, but, I'm but saying yes, he is the Japanese oh, Walt Disney. he most he did certainly a big is
1: thing there that with Disney
0: Studio Ghibli, or how do you, how do you pronounce it? Ghibli, Ghibli? I don't know. I think a Ghibli. Uh, Ghibli. Um, but yeah, he is, he is the Asian Walt Disney, except he also directed most of those movies. Yes. So, I mean it's interesting when i was doing my my reading on him he maintained through almost all of his movies uh most of his focus art in the in the movie is hand-drawn animation the background may be computer animated but the, the focus art is hand-drawn and it's just such a beautiful look to it i mean if you haven't seen totoro for example i think i think that's what he's most known for totoro if you yeah, haven't Totoro's s- great it's oh it so is cute. if you haven't seen it it's really worth a watch. It's not a kids movie just because it's animation. It's a good, solid movie. Yeah. So, I think to me the two of them split in half down the middle of their face because of how they culturally opened up the west to Asian film. Yeah. I mean, I think and without right. without either of those you don't have Jackie Chan movies, you don't have Bruce Lee movies.
1: Probably not.
0: So, go well,
1: ahead. Miyazaki didn't really help the Jackie Chan
0: or Bruce no. Lee, but, yeah, Kurosawa. Right, Kurosawa. So and like I said, well maybe I Avatar wanted... though. <laughs>
1: yeah. But I wanted someone on my list. Like I said, I was really thinking maybe John Ford, maybe John Houston. Someone I... did those odor, you know, westerns that were so big and everything like that. And I just couldn't figure I well like they kind of cancel each other out. So then I'm like, no, Kurosawa, because he made samurai movies, which was the Japanese version of our westerns. Right. So I I still got that on there. I got the foreign flair. And I got a guy that's very inspirational to even today.
0: I had Ford on my list of directors that I was trying to narrow down. Yes. And for the same reason. I mean, there's no doubt that John Ford is Westerns in America. Yeah. But, I mean, John Ford directed a good chunk of John Wayne movies. Yes. And John Wayne is synonymous with Westerns. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, like like three of mine were really easy. And then that fourth one, it took me a while. And it was, I was thinking David lean for a while. Mm-hmm. I was thinking easily John Ford for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's, and I Kurosawa, I just kept coming back to, I'm like, no, this is the one. Cause again, he's so inspirational for so many different
0: ways. Yeah. yeah. You could have put John Ford on the list. and I'm not, I wouldn't argue with it, but yeah, no, I he, think
1: he could be on there.
0: I think Kurosawa was the better choice because of how much more influence he had.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Miyazaki, he still is influential today. He's still alive. He's still he's, alive. I think he's semi-retired. I think he's pretty retired, but yeah, I bet he's still doing stuff.
0: Oh, I guarantee you he's at the very least still overseeing Studio Ghibli.
1: Yeah. And, like, he was a big thing for – he was an inspiration for Pixar. Yeah. You know, if Ghibli wasn't there, we probably wouldn't have Pixar in the way it is.
0: You're probably correct. So. All right. Yeah. Well, there's yeah, a good one. two of mine. So – and two of yours, it turns out. Yes. So go ahead. <laughs>
1: All right, so anybody that knows me will not be surprised at my next pick. Um I've literally written a book on him with my friend Danny. It is uh Billy Wilder, my yeah. favorite writer director of mm-hmm. all
0: time. Yep. Um he is Hey, he's not on three. my list. <laughs> yeah. He's on my I, list of I, people I, I had to narrow yeah, down. I had to narrow yeah. him down. He's on that list, but I took him out.
1: Yeah, so um again, I just look at his overall work and Mm -hmm. how many movies are not just good but all-time classic masterpieces
0: i can't argue with him he is a fantastic director if you look at the afi list
1: him and one other guy that we'll be talking about later have the most movies Mm -hmm. on the afi list double indemnity some like it hot the apartment um sabrina um double indemnity and then even some of her his lesser-known movies I love, Ace in the Hole, um, Stalag 17, 1, 2,
0: 3. I love King Stalag did, 17.
1: Yeah, Stalag 17. That was actually the first Billy Wilder movie I ever saw. I was homesick one day, and I really loved World War Two stuff. I'd seen Great Escape by then, and I heard about this. I'm like, It was like on AMC in the middle of the day. I'm like, what? A World War Two movie that's a comedy? That's a mm-hmm. POW movie? Okay, I want to watch this. So I saw that. But yeah, I mean, all of his movies. uh, Five Graves to Cairo, No One Remembers, and it's a great movie. He wrote and directed. He was an auteur. Um, Hitchcock was an auteur. He worked with the best writers and everything like that. Billy Wilder did everything himself, and he is the one auteur on my list. Everybody else was one that worked with a lot of people. Okay, I'll work with the best writers. I'll have a big producer. He produced his own movies. He wrote it. He directed it. Right. You know, he had his own group of people that he worked with a lot. And he made some of my all-time favorite movies.
0: I'm not going to, you know, I can't, I refuse to argue with that. Uh, he, Billy Wilder, like I said, he was on my list of, um, of movies or, or directors that I was like, you know what? this guy would be really good. He is really good. Um, and I, I went through his body of work and there's just, there's just no argument to it. There's none. Yeah. His body of work is fantastic. But he said I went a different direction and I could have stayed there. You know, I could have stayed with Billy, Billy, Billy Waller. I could have, I'm going to spoil my own list here. I didn't put David Lean on the list, on the list either, even though he's got some fantastic movies. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Stalag 17. David Lean did kind of the opposite of Stalag 17 with Bridge on the River Kwai. Yes, which is a wonderful film. It's a beautiful film. Um, the, the The best thing about those movies, though, is even though they're directed by different people, they're entirely... They're different takes on the same concept, really, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And then you could throw yeah. a later, a much later movie, obviously, in there from Schindler's List, another similar st- concept, and yeah, taking an entirely Schindler, different direction.
1: It's funny, because Schindler's List is kind of where Bridge and the River Choir go. Then yeah. you have Life and Beautiful, which is kind of where Stalik 17 would go.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree with that. That's a good point. So, yeah, Billy Wilder, and you did write a book on him. Um, uh-huh. So it did not surprise me he was on your list. Yes, um, um,
1: and it was funny when I was putting this together. Him and Hitchcock, I think they were the two best directors ever at knowing how to exactly in their films. Um, There's so many movies that end perfectly for Billy Wilder. I'm ready for my close-up, Mister DeMille. Boom, into the movie. Yep, nobody perfect. Shut up and deal. Um, you know, spoiler, but. Um, um, not Kurt Russell, I was about to say, Kirk Douglas dying at the end of Ace in the Hole, and the same thing with Hitchcock. He knew when and how to end his movies. You know, the last scene of Psycho with the fly on um, Anthony Perkins' face, he's like, I'm not even going to touch it. They'll think he won't hurt even a fly. Now, we didn't need the, like, five minutes of the psychiatrist telling us everything about his motives right beforehand, but... No, but that ended. last
0: scene was perfect. That last, That last... Yeah. 10 seconds was perfect.
1: Yeah. Um, North by Northwest ends perfectly. It's the one with the dick joke where it's like he's in with his new wife and then the train goes into the tunnel. Yep. Yep. So, you know, those two, it's, they both have this thing where they just end perfectly. They know when to end the movie, which is funny because when I get to my last director, mm-hmm. that is Achilles' heel. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, I just thought that was interesting. So, who was your third one? Let's see if we differ here. Uh,
0: Cap uh, Capra. Frank
1: okay, Capra. Yeah, he was. He was on my finalists as well.
0: I mean, and and here's where, <clears throat> here's where, I think I, I mentioned the few a few minutes ago. What if you take away the movies he's known for? So, <clears throat> Capra to me had a couple transcendent movies. They still are watched to this day. Name yes. me a person or name me a TV that doesn't play It's a Wonderful Life every Christmas. Every single Christmas. Um, Name me a person who hasn't seen Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Mm -hmm. You know? To me, he gets on that list. Now, he is on that list, but at the same time, he... I struggled a little bit with him because he was another one that I said, okay, is he a great director... Or did he just have fantastic people to work with? You know, with Stewart and Grant. And, I mean, you know, those are just... The actors are just so damn good. But I went with him because of how transcendent he was with some of those movies he made. Yes. I can't can't say enough for... I mean, find me a movie director today. Find me a movie today that... I mean, what? Wonderful Life was made in 46, right after World War II, right? Something like that, 46, 47? Yeah, 46, 47. So find me a a movie today that's still going to be played in 60 or 70 years. Every Uh year. Every single year. And you're not going to find many. No. And that says something to both the art house of the movie, the quality of the movie, the acting, but also the directing.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's not even his best movie. He (laughs) was right... He was right there with David Lee and John Ford for me, mm-hmm. because he also had It Happened One Night. Yeah, he the, did. The first screwball comedy ever made. Yep. Still one of the best, too, with um, oh, it's Clark great Gable and Claudio, Claudiette Corbet. Corbet, yeah. Um, he had um, Mr. Deeds, which mm-hmm. was remade into a terrible Adam Sandler film.
0: Um,
1: We don't speak of that. Then you said Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Um, He was one of the ones that went over to World War II and made movies. He made propaganda. He did. Um, he made a movie called Why We Fight.
0: He did. Yeah. Um, and you can't overlook over too. You can't overlook I guess that's the other part. Is you you mentioned that and I didn't mention it, but you can't overlook his 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 war effort films.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You know, not not every director went to, Now you and I have seen that. You actually pointed it out to me. The the documentary on I believe it's Netflix. 5 what was it? 5 5 Came Back Five or something. Came back. Yeah. That was a fantastic documentary on five directors who went over to Europe and and filmed the war for the propaganda ministry, and and not all of them had the same view of it. Um, it sucked. Yeah, but uh, Capra definitely you can't you can't deny the way that he no. he went to in, war and did that.
1: And one of my favorite ones, not as well known, but he did a really early black comedy movie called arsenic and old lace with cary grant
0: Mm -hmm. have you ever seen that one i've seen parts of it i haven't seen the whole thing
1: yeah so what it's about is this guy just got married and he goes to see his aunts two aunts who have like a bed and breakfast and Mm -hmm. you find out that all these old widowed men come there and they want to put them out of their misery because they're not happy so they poison them Mm -hmm. and then have his Carrie Grant's brother, who's crazy and thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt, buries them in the back because the ants tell him that he's making the Panama Canal. <laughs> That's actually pretty awesome. It's a great movie, and like that was another one that Capra did. The reason Capra didn't make my list was after "It's a Wonderful Life," his
0: career just plummets. It does. It does. I'm not going to deny that, um, but I think mm-hmm. I think. He he had already earned enough credit by then for me to put him on that yeah. list. I mean, think about think about State of the Union. Think about put that in today. That's horrifying today. That's yeah, it's absolutely horrifying today. I mean, if you haven't seen State of the Union, it's basically a rich dude seeking the presidential nomination. I that mean, it, never happen. No, that would never happen. It would actually come out as a <laughs> as a horror film in 2020. Yeah, no, it's uh, coming as a documentary in 2020. Jesus, it might. Um, so I think you're right. I mean, after, after it's a wonderful life, it does go downhill, but I, I, I kind of feel like once you've climbed Everest, every mountain is downhill, right? So and
1: all, you know, all of my directors, they've had a peak yeah, and then they had some bad movies afterwards. I don't First, think you're not as much. But Alfred Hitchcock with oh. Frenzy, Torn Curtain, right. Trouble with Perry. the last like three or four of his movies are really bad.
0: I don't think you'll find many directors throughout history that didn't have some down movies though.
1: Unless they died at their peak.
0: Unless they die at their peak. Right. You know, you, and, yeah, and like, you can say that for actors we, uh, too.
1: We talked about Coppola. I don't think he's really made a watchable movie in the last two decades. No, I don't think so. Um Billy Wilder, I love Billy Wilder, but Kiss Me Stupid is one of the most sexist, and reprehensible <laughs> movies I think I've ever seen. Right, and then um, he like he just got into this comfort zone of just working with Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, and
0: well, I mean, you know, if that's your comfort zone, do you go wrong with Matthau yeah. and Lemmon? You just can't.
1: And like you're like it's fine, but you know Billy Wilder in his early years wasn't fine. It was damn another good movie. So.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to say that's wrong. So, all right, so who's your last one? Who's your number four?
1: Okay, this is the one I'm pretty sure we're going to be on the same page with. Because okay. this, this is the only one that is still working. Yep. Because I wanted to have a director still making stuff today. I'll
0: be surprised. You know, his this output is... is still there. I'll be surprised um, if this isn't my last one as well, but let's find out.
1: Yeah. Um, I was thinking of a few different ones. There's a few on the list, but I had to go with the, you know – Grandfather of Blockbuster, uh Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep, no question.
1: Yeah, I mean this this was this and Hitchcock were the no brainers for me.
0: Yep, this was a no brainer.
1: Cause I'm like, I'm going to well, do one that's still working. You can't pick anybody but Spielberg.
0: Yeah, exactly. So actually it was a slight brainer for me. Does that make sense? Because this is one that I sat back and I go, Is he a great director? Or does he have such great material that he just simply can't fuck it up? And then I went, well, but they're yes to both. But I went, other directors have had great material and fucked it up. And he hasn't. Yes. So that puts him up on that list.
1: And, uh, you know, I used to have the same conversation with Tom Hanks because my friend did not like Tom Hanks. He's like anybody that was a half decent actor if he would have gotten the roles Tom Hanks did, would have been great. I'm like, yes, but Tom Hanks is great in all of
0: them. Yes, but Tom Hanks, especially, especially once Tom Hanks' career matured. Find yes. me a dud.
1: And, you know, there's a lot of times I look at um, streaks of directors. You know, what did you do in a row? That's what makes Billy Wilder so impressive at one point because he had two sure. or three of these streaks. Same with Alfred Hitchcock, you know, Mm -hmm. um you can but like billy wilder he went from um some like it hot right into the apartment he went from um double indemnity and like every single movie he made from double indemnity other than the um bing crosby alps musical that's terrible he made like double indemnity um sunset boulevard stalling 17 sabrina um ace in the hole back to back to back to back to back um Mm -hmm. A director I really wanted to put on the list, and if I had a fifth one, it'd probably be him, would be uh, Mel Brooks. Oh, yeah. Or if we have, like, a comedy section, so instead of
0: Mount Rushmore, it's the Whoopi Cushion. Then Mel Brooks is number one.
1: Yeah, because in the same year for Mel Brooks, he made Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein.
0: Two of the best comedies of all time. In the same year. Yeah. He made them in the same year. Yeah.
1: You know. A director that has both of those movies on his list is probably Mount Rushmore. To make them within twelve months of each other, yeah, and to be both well, ginormous hits was I, you know amazing.
0: I saw one of my favorite. So I've I've kind of been searching for a, a new mask to wear, you know, for the pandemic stuff. And yes. I'm I'm really leaning toward. There's one that's just black and it says Spaceballs the mask. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> you know, I mean because. And I know we're off topic of Spielberg, but Mel Brooks, who doesn't get that joke? Who doesn't get that joke? Um, So back to Spielberg, though. Spielberg is on my list because you know how much I love Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. And those movies, for as much as I love him, are like maybe barely in the top five that he's done. Yeah. And they're two of my favorite movies of all time. And they're just barely in the top five of movies he's done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things that again, think of a run he went on. Now, oh 1941 gosh. is the um, outlier. That movie's terrible. Yes, but he also learned a lot from it. And he moved on. Mm-hmm. So, Jaws, Close Encounters, 1941, Raiders of the Lost Ark, ET, and then yeah. Temple of New, If you want to even go after that, yeah. Name that
0: it, again. Those are those are movies that if if if, if a director has two of those movies. Then they could be considered on. They could be in contention for this list, and he's got all of them. And you didn't even touch on what I think. And this is just a personal thing. What I think my favorite Spielberg movie is, in terms of, not in terms of, not in terms of my favorite movie. My favorite movie is still Saving Private Ryan or Schindler, but my favorite movie in terms of the way he did it, and the way it was shot, and the way, I don't know, the way it was all completely done. Empire of the Sun. Yeah, I I loved Empire of the Sun.
1: That's another great one. Um, But you look at just how he made the, like I said, he made the summer blockbuster with Jaws.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, He made, I think, the perfect film in Raiders Lost Ark. There's not a second I would take out of that movie. I've said that before. Right. Right. Um, Made a wonderful kids movie. You know, you talked about how some of these other ones stay in the same
0: genre. Oh, he doesn't.
1: Spielberg has not.
0: No, he's He's jumped a lot of genres.
1: He's made horror movies. He's made monster movies. Like Jurassic Park. We haven't even mentioned Jurassic Park. He did
0: that. And he's made he's made art house movies. We haven't talked about Lincoln. Yeah. Lincoln is not... No, that,
1: that, that's a, not an art house movie. That's a, well,
0: you know... I won't say art house like that. Classical studio Oscar. Pick. That's more like I'm thinking. I'm not thinking art house like the traditional word of art house. But it's not going to be your traditional Raiders, Saving Private Ryan, E.T. blockbuster. Now, yeah, Lincoln... can
1: also do the Oscar film.
0: Lincoln is... I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fair here, and Lincoln is well directed, it's well written. But if you don't have Daniel Day Lewis playing Lincoln, is it as good as it is? Probably yeah. not. But again, but this is a this is directed that, that guy, movie.
1: This is directed. He director, was smart enough to not let his ego get in the way and let Daniel Day Lewis do his thing.
0: Yeah, this is a director. And that's just kind of what I was about to talk about. Was he's able to work with some huge actors and let them do their thing? Daniel Day Lewis, um, Hanks. You know, you look at some of these, act, the names of these actors, and, and again, we you mentioned Tom Hanks a minute ago. Saving Private Ryan was not an early Hanks movie, so it's not like he could just, you know, kind of mold Hanks and work him around a little bit. This is mature Hanks at one of his best. Yes. And he just let him do it. Lewis, in one of his best performances. You know, uh, Christian Bale, while still very young, I still think it's one of his best performances in Empire of the Sun.
1: yes. He was very good in that. But it's kind of funny. We're talking about Mel Brooks with his he did two movies in the same year. Spielberg did it twice. Yeah. He was um editing Jurassic Park while making Schindler's list.
0: Yeah. And I might add very difficult to edit Jurassic Park because of how daunting that movie is for the time. And,
1: yeah, he's doing it in a holocausts
0: and he's doing it while making one of the emotionally most heavy movies he will ever make
1: yes and then he did the same thing later where he made um minority report which is a great sci-fi future noir underrated like five months later catch me if you can which is this breezy dicaprio hanks movie comes out
0: i love catch me catch you yeah catch me if you can it's such a good movie and we haven't even talked about his more recent stuff Ready Player One was absolutely brilliantly good. Now, Ready Player One is based on a book, but it still had to be directed.
1: Yeah, and he did. He had fun with it. And also, you know, it's not a director, but he used, when he was at the height of his power in the 80s, to also produce a lot of movies. Yes. Gremlin, Back to the Future, Poltergeist.
0: Yeah, and these are movies that we can't include on this list for obvious reasons that he didn't actually direct them. But, I don't know, man, it's just... He's just had so many good, good movies, and yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned um, Catch Me If You Can. So as I was mentioning actors, there's DiCaprio tossed in there. We haven't even mentioned Connery or or Harrison Ford or you know. Yeah, he's the modern day
1: Spielberg uh, Hitchcock, where he works with every big name.
0: Yeah, and he gets you know, the best out of them. wants to be in a Spielberg movie. He gets the absolute best out of them too. He just does.
1: And that's true too. Yeah, he he knows how to work with stars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of a lot of people don't know how to. I just watched because um, it's on Amazon now. Gemini Man. Mm-hmm. Anglin had no idea what to do with Will
0: Smith. No, no clue. I haven't seen the movie, but I've I've read the reviews, and it's basically the same thing. Will Smith. That movie could have been a lot better if if the directing had had allowed Will Smith to to just. B.
1: Now, now that movie begins and ends
0: the trouble with its
1: generic script,
0: but yeah. Yeah. You know, use Will Smith a little better. So, we've gone over our top four. And to recap, for me, it was Hitchcock, Miyazaki Kurosawa, Capra, and Spielberg.
1: And for me, it was Hitchcock, Kurosawa, Wilder, and Spielberg.
0: So, four of the top four, or three of the top four were the same. But yes. what about our, our kind of honorable mentions? Who do you have right off that list? Maybe. Right.
1: So, um, the ones, like, I did it in, like, they're not making movies or they are. Okay. So some of the ones I thought about that didn't make it that were, um, you know, that o- older time David Lean. Okay. Uh, Preston Sturgis. Okay. John Ford. John Houston. Mm hmm. Um, then Frank Capra was on there. And, um, Another one that really wanted to do kind of Billy Wilder's, like, um, big one. And, like, I just totally have forgotten his name, but he did Shop Around the Corner. He did um, all these Lubitsch, Ernest Lubitsch. Okay. So, those are some of the ones that from that old period I didn't have. Um, still working today. You could make a case for Cameron. And I think if he made more movies, he might be up there um lucas he did star wars but he did nothing else so and I he ruined star
0: wars afterwards
1: yeah and i think that kind of takes him out um I do too. zemeckis is close okay. i think
0: okay what about and jackson
1: then, um a really wild card rob Ryder.
0: okay yeah where do you put where do you put uh, someone like peter jackson we just talked in the last few episodes about how culturally and and influential and and, and big lord of the rings is but where do you put someone like him
1: all right. See, the problem was
0: I've lost you. He Hang had on, his okay. Jaws, with right,
1: he didn't make his Raiders, his Close Encounters, his ET. I mean, King Kong was fine, but it wasn't anything original. Mm-hmm. And, um, Lovely Bones is awful, so he's not there. Like he's one of those directors I will still see something he does. Um, but yeah, Rob Reiner's on there. Because if you look at the list he went through, he made like Misery, A Few Good Men, Princess Bride, like back to back to back. Stand by me. Um, he had a hell. Um, Final Town. I mean, he had a hell of a run in the eighties and early nineties, and then he fell off a cliff and made a movie that I think. Um, anything else with North, and then um, you know. You can't do it without thinking Tarantino. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, I wanted to have one living one, and even though I love seven and a half of the nine Tarantino films that he's made, Spielberg still has a bigger lasting impact. So what about for you? What were some of your uh, honorable mentions?
0: So some of my honorable mentions, again, some of them are the same as yours. John Ford, David Lean... Um. Lucas is not really in contention, even though you have to put his name on the list uh, for the Star Wars stuff. But again, I think as much as... For Lucas, as much as you put his name on for Star Wars, you have to take it off for Star Wars. You know? Um, Other people on the list, Orson Welles, from an early director standpoint.
1: Yeah, he just didn't have as many. I agree.
0: Scorsese, again, I don't think quite as many. Um Uh, Scorsese
1: is one of those that I really wanted to.
0: I know. I wanted to find a way to get him on there.
1: If I would have done for best movies, he probably would have been, but he didn't have the success as some of the other ones. I agree.
0: His movies weren't as big. I really worked for a way to get Scorsese on the list, and I just just couldn't. Um, (laughs) Another one for me would have been like Stanley Kubrick. Um, I could have put him on there. I got to
1: admit something.
0: What's that? Never liked Stanley Kubrick. Really? Nope. I, think, I hate, hate, hate 2001. Oh, okay. So 2001 is, <laughs> I think it's not a horrible movie, but I also feel like it's all build up to nothing happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. Because Like you feel like something's going to happen the whole movie, and then at the end you're like, oh, well, I guess that was the climax but it wasn't as big as I expected it to be. Yeah. Dr. Um, Strange
1: Love? I love? Love but... Strange
0: Love, Love Clockwork Orange. Um so I I just couldn't put him on this list though. I didn't feel like he had quite enough. Um I appreciate more than like. Okay, fair enough. And the other I'll
1: one I like, Yes, I see why.
0: No, for me. Just yeah. I just
1: he he is not on my wavelength.
0: The other one I I don't I think if you switch this to a whoopee cushion, I'd have put him on the list. I really, really, really wanted Kevin Smith on this list, <laughs> but I think if you just look at movies, you can't add him. If you look at other genre, if you look at other art forms, comic book, things like that, then yeah, I think you can put him on the list, but that's not what we're talking about.
1: Or writing instead yeah. of directing.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. If you put, if, if you bring entertainment value to this list. I think Kevin Smith deserves to be on it, but not for directing. I would have loved to have had him on there because he's fun to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, he's a great personality. But But, yeah, yeah, he's not on the list. And then um, my my other question for you then, as I was looking at this, now none of these people made my list, but at what point does a director's off-screen, off-camera problems influence... Whether or not they could be on this list. Take for example, a, um, oh, a Woody Allen. Take a Woody yeah. Allen, or take a, um, a, um, um Plansky? huh, Polanski. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, I don't think they deserve to be on this list anyway. But, you know, if they had deserved to be on this list, do their off-screen, off-camera problems exclude them? Because I'm, well, I'm the type of person that I can... I still find Bill Cosby freaking hilarious. But I can separate Bill Cosby's comedy from Bill Cosby the man. I don't like yeah. Bill Cosby the man. But if I listen to his old comedy routines, they're still funny.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we have Alfred Hitchcock on the list, so... Yeah, I guess that's, that's true.
0: I guess that's true. He's not exactly the best... I, I don't think I'd want to hang out with Alfred Hitchcock.
1: Yeah. But, you know, it, it is kind of funny because... Um, Usual Suspects is on some streaming thing. I'm like, oh, I should watch that again. But I'm also like, that one's like a one-two punch though, because it's got you know Kevin Spacey and Brian Singer.
0: Yeah, and Kevin Spacey's a good example of of an actor who was right in the middle of a fantastic series with um, um, oh shoot, what is it that he was in? A House of Cards. House of Cards, and then shit hits the fan for him, and he is he's done, you know. Yeah. But I can I can separate Kevin Spacey from Kevin Spacey. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it like that that is hard. And even if you're trying to, sometimes it goes into your thought. You know, something like a Woody Allen that Woody he's never not my cup of tea. But I can admit that if it wasn't for Woody Allen, we wouldn't have someone like a Kevin Smith. True, you know, they did the same sort of thing.
0: True, very true. Um, so I I, I do think. As much as I want to say um, that it wouldn't have played an Im- impact on me because I can separate, there are some that I can't separate far enough.
1: Yeah, and and it's a thing that it, that whole total package. How much of an asshole was he versus how good well, of movies he was?
0: Kubrick's a kind of good example of that because apparently he was a he was a horror to work with. Like, his drive yeah. for perfection, there, it wasn't uncommon for him to take 40 and 50 takes to get one uh-huh. shot. Yeah. And I as a, if I was an actor, oh, my God, how how could you do that? You know, how do you work for that?
1: Yeah. And another one that I wanted to put on my list, because Billy Wilder is my favorite director ever. Mm-hmm. Brian, um, David Fincher is my favorite director working.
0: Okay.
1: And the, I really wanted to put him on the list, but I'm like, no, he... he Again you had to put Spielberg over there. But yeah, like Fincher actually drove um Robert Downey Jr. crazy.
0: Which is saying something.
1: Zodiac because they did so many takes of like him throwing away a paper. He's like, I threw it away, it's good. Let's move on.
0: He's like, No 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 no, you need to have the extra one more crumple in the paper.
1: Yeah, and stuff like that. So you know, he's another one that I just love that um again, like ninety five percent of his movies I would give four and a half yeah. out of five stars to at least.
0: Well, and another person that, honestly, I don't know if he would have made the list or, or whatever, but he crossed my mind, was a Tim Burton. And then as I started looking into him, he didn't direct most of the movies he's known for. Nightmare? He didn't direct that. You no, know? he
1: he didn't do anything with Nightmare. He just put his name on it because he appreciated it.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting, as I started to look at Tim Burton, I was like, I mean, he's done some decent movies, but a lot of the what I would cons- what I would consider more... You know, transcendent or or big movies, he didn't actually do. He just stuck his name on, or was affiliated somehow.
1: He's one I've never loved that much. Like like, I appreciate some of his movies. Like I really love Ed Wood, but I don't think he's made anything watchable other than um, the Sweeney Todd since Big Fish. Big Fish was good. The the Alice movie was awful. Um, Dark Shadows is dull.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, what else has he been doing? Dumbo I didn't even watch. I wouldn't Um, watch Dumbo because, frankly, I didn't like the original Dumbo. So... I love the original Dumbo.
1: Even with the racist crows. I
0: was going to say, crows just are racist as all (laughs) get-out.
1: But, um, yeah, like, he's just... He had a good beginning where Edward Scissorhands and would... You could even put, um the Wee in there batman mm-hmm. beetlejuice but then he just kind of falls off a cliff
0: again. yeah and that's and that was my my point i feel like he was kind of on the up but he never quite reached everest i don't think no, he ever reached yeah. like k2 he reached like mount saint helens and then went down the other side
1: and another like he's kind of like there was scorsese yeah like people know his movies now but other than Beetlejuice, none of them were that big of a hit.
0: No, exactly. Until
1: he got to like Alice in
0: Wonderland, and I kind of wonder the Disney machine, and then he just started remaking shit. I kind of wonder with someone like a Scorsese, is are his movies going to be more appreciated later? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. are we going to look back at him and go, "Wow, he was an underrated genius of of his time." I don't think he was underrated. I don't think he was underrated. Well, but he could be because he's not on our list. Could we look back 30 years from now and be like, man, we really should have put him on the list because look at how good these were.
1: It's one of those things that if you put it on the list, I'd be like, yep, he deserves it. But for me, it was just, his movies were never the big hits of some of these other ones.
0: I can see that. I'm
1: I'm worried about um, Scorsese a little bit because there's this thing where it's like, people don't like the film bros where i still don't know if i am one because they're like these are the ones that like nolan films and spielberg and love finch i'm like i love all those
0: yeah so,
1: I, but like scorsese like a lot of people are going well um it's just about bad men you know that's all he did was about bad men it's like it's yeah, true but he wasn't idolizing them no 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 it was, and Taxi Driver, like a study about how horrible he was, you know, and you're not supposed to like Jake LaMotta.
0: No. And Scorsese is one of the directors that I I brought into into question about when you talk about um, the genre. So his genre, what I would consider would, would be whether you want to call it mobster or just bad men in general. He never left that for any noticeable amount of time. Is he good in that genre? Yeah, I think he is. No, it's funny. He always leaves that genre, and then it doesn't do
1: well. So he has to go back to it.
0: Right, and he's. I think we mentioned it a couple weeks ago. He's like, he's like your Aerosmith that leaves their good hits, haven't had a good hit in a while. He's like, well, we're gonna go back and sing, you know, these songs again.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because like he made Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Mean Streets, and then he made a musical.
0: Yeah.
1: And it didn't do well. And like he made, like some of his. Bad eighties movies are awesome. Like not bad isn't. They're bad movies, but didn't do well. After Hours is still immensely watchable. King of Comedy, they ripped off so bad with Joker last year.
0: Oh yeah, most certainly.
1: <laughs> they even have fucking Robert De Niro playing the opposite role than he did in King of Comedy. All of yeah. a sudden, he's a Jerry Lewis and, role instead of the De Niro role.
0: And I mean, you think about it. We haven't talked about Scorsese a lot lately in time in terms of you know cultural significance and then he comes out last year with the irishman and boom which he's back at the top of the one list my favorite
1: movies of last year
0: yeah so but again the irishman is it much different than movies he's previously done no not
1: really but the important thing is the movie he did before that was silence which was about the like punish like a three and a half hour movie about punishing um the people who watch religious it religious sect <laughs> in Jap- japan in like the 1700s so yeah yeah He's that Aerosmith that he's like, okay, I'm making the silence. Okay, nobody liked... Or like Garth Brooks. It's like, nobody liked me when I was... Nobody liked Gaines. Chris
0: Gaines. <laughs> that,
1: that was the silence. And yeah. then he's like, okay, I'm going to back... And Here I'm comes Irishman. I got low places An Irishman.
0: Yeah. And let's be fair. The Irishman, if you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic... It's a long movie, but it's a fantastic watch. Yeah. So
1: and It's perfect on Netflix because you can like split it up in four days.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and still only watch four hours a day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think I think we did pretty well for our top list. Yeah. I think our Mount Rushmore is very well rounded out. Um, I think so. It would you be interesting.
1: The Japanese
0: dude. I mean, you know, it would be interesting though to see a top five a, a whoopee cushion Mount Rushmore. I'm I'm starting <laughs> to think about that now too. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Mel Brooks, uh, Mel Brooks would be on the list kevin smith to me would be on the list
1: See, kevin smith still would make i love kevin
0: smith but he is not a good director he
1: is a good writer he has a good personality okay i love the world he made but he just puts the camera down
0: that's fair but i would
1: be on that list um ernest Lubitsch would be on that list preston sturgis um who's a good comedy director that's
0: tough adam mckay probably for me yeah okay um, but does any does any comedy director come anywhere close to Mel Brooks? No. No. I don't think for so. See, this,
1: that just made comedies.
0: For 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 this Mount Rushmore list that we just made, the directors are all I could argue the the top four directors are all relatively close. Mm-hmm. Right? But if you if you make a whoopee cushion list, it's Mel Brooks and then somewhere down the side of the mountain you'll have your number two guy.
1: Yeah. Well I mean like it's one of those things that Preston Sturgis would be closer to Mel Brooks if he had a longer career. It, yeah. Like honestly, Mel Brooks, Spaceballs
0: isn't that good of a movie. No, nope, it's classic. It.
1: Yeah, I mean, like he had what? he had that little run too. So
0: yeah, so I mean, and then you look at the other well-known comedy stuff. Monty Python is obviously a group that you you could put on list, but who directed their stuff? you know
1: (laughs) that's what i'm saying i I guess it was a lot of terry palin and um the guy he's still making stuff today he made like he makes all the weird shit he made like he was the one that made um 12 monkeys
0: oh okay so um sure um but like to me there i just don't know if there's iconic pure comedy directors outside of mel brooks yeah
1: I mean, I think I'd have to put Judd Apatow on there. Okay. But and he's him and Adam McKay are going in there both as directors and producers.
0: You know what's interesting is is when we're talking about movies that are kind of transcendent or really set a tone, we didn't talk a single bit, and they don't deserve it in my opinion, about the 80s rom-com teeny bopper directors. Yeah. That was an entire decade of that style of movie. But I don't think it's Mount Rushmore worthy movies. You know, I think you could make a case for John Hughes. You could. But I don't think who's who do you take off to put John Hughes on? Do you take That's the thing. You know, I don't put I don't take any of those people off to put John Hughes on.
1: But if someone came and said John Hughes is on my list, I wouldn't like ridicule them. I'd be like, Meh, don't agree, but okay. Yeah, I'm like okay I can see that because and he's one of those that you think only did one thing but he also did playing trains and automobiles
0: true uh, you know it would be, um, be interesting to take a um it would be interesting to take a a list and say you' you the four people you must have a com a comedian direct a comic director an action director a drama director and a horror director you know uh-huh That'd be interesting, and so the top of each of those genres—that'd be kind of interesting to see. Then you could, then you could definitely argue that John Hughes could be up there, but I still would put Mel Brooks well above him.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's one of those things. And like another one that we could do is the four directors that personally affected you. Like my list would be very different.
0: Oh, mine would be too, except for Spielberg. Spielberg's still on that list.
1: Spielberg is probably on that list, but you know, even though I have the most connection with Billy Wilder. I'd have to change him because Cameron Crowe is what got me into Billy Wilder. Okay. And Cameron Crowe, Almost Famous, actually changed my life because I was going to be a totally different major. I saw Almost Famous, which came out 20 years ago this month, went in and said, nope, I'm going to do something in the film.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: I can see that. So Cameron, Cameron Crowe would be on my list of director that personally affected me.
0: If I put a director on my list that personally affected me, It's not going to be anybody that's on this list right now. It's going to be Ken Burns. Yeah. I don't think there's... I mean, if I look at his documentaries that he's put out, The Civil War, The War, Baseball, uh, all of these are fantastic miniseries. And honestly, I could even theoretically argue that he could be on this list of of Mount Rushmore's. Yeah. Because... He did change his whole genre. Definitely. Definitely. Definitely to the to the point of of these guys that are on the list. I mean, for me, I'd probably take Capra off and put Burns on. I I wouldn't argue that.
1: Mhm.
0: So, maybe I should have put Ken Burns on this list. I didn't even think about him, honestly, cuz I was thinking about movies, not yeah. miniseries or documentaries, yeah. Yeah. So, Ken Burns could easily have been on my list.
1: Well, yeah, I could I wouldn't argue with that.
0: And if you're talking about movie, or you're talking about directors that influenced me personally, then Ken Burns is definitely on this list. Yeah.
1: Mine, like, and Mel Brooks would make that because... Yep, Mel Brooks would make it. The thing I remember about Mel Brooks, and I wrote this in a different book I uh, wrote. My dad and I watched his movies growing up. And my dad is not one that laughs out loud that much. He's a very funny guy, but he doesn't laugh out loud that much. You mm-hmm. put on History of the World Part 1, my dad would be
0: Oh my suspicious. gosh. History of the World Part 1, to me, uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to say that a Mel Brooks movie is underrated because so many people have seen them. But History of the World Part 1 is not the first one most people think of, but I think it's one of the funniest ones.
1: It's one of my favorites, but it's not a good movie. I will, I will say that very no,
0: clearly. I won't deny it's that. It's very
1: bad. Yeah, but I, I
0: like that. Him. But it's great. Yeah, so, you know. Um, um, I, I would put on the, I, you know, directors that influenced me, Michael Bay. No, not Michael Bay. Yui <laughs> Bull. <was laughs> <just kidding. laughs> e. <laughs> I mean, they, they um, influenced he, me in ways that I'm like, not going to do that. Not going to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, another one that, you know, like all this is when you get to the ones that influence you, they're all going to be from about the same period of time. because. Yeah there's well, going to be that period like Spielberg I
0: remember seeing hook and being blown away but that's where I toss in Peter Jackson too Peter Jackson yeah. influenced me not just with Lord of the Rings because now if we're bringing in documentaries as well um, They Never Grow Old was just brilliant yeah um, and if you haven't seen that that's re uh, redigitized film from World War I and a story about Word. it and it was just it was brilliantly done Yes, it was. And if you watch it, stay for the after part where he talks about how he did it. It's worth. Which is, it. It, it could have been just its own documentary. Yeah, it really could have been. It was. It was just. It was well done. Yeah, another one for me that
1: really influenced me was I still remember. I loved the first Bill and Ted, and we yeah. were going to go see Bogus Journey, and then I also wanted to see Problem Child Two. Those are the two movies I wanted to go see. Yeah. I went to the movie theaters with my dad. And I thought we were going to go see one of those. He's like, two for Terminator 2. And I went to my dad. I'm like, what? No, I don't want to see. What is this? Terminator? I don't even He's like, trust me. So I was like 10 years old. Yeah. And I go to Terminator 2. And it starts out. Like, I didn't know anything about it because I hadn't seen the first one at this point. Didn't know anything about this. I knew who Arnold Schwarzenegger was because I watched okay. action movie with my dad. But it starts out and it's a fucking robot war. I'm like, yes, yes. I'm in. Yeah, this is, this is what I've needed my whole life. Thank you, Dad, for knowing me and not making me go see Problem Child two and taking me to this awesomeness that is two robots fighting.
0: Yeah, I'm in. Um, Ron Howard, another influential director on my own personal life, Apollo yeah. thirteen, things like that. You know, um, I, I as much as as much as the movies weren't critical hits, I really liked the books. Like the the uh, Dan Brown books, Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons, things like that. He directed those movies, which I thought were fine. And a lot of other people wow. didn't like, but I thought they were good. Solo wasn't the worst of the Star Wars movies, but it wasn't the best no, that, either.
1: That's Rise of Skywalker. I would watch Solo 30 times before watching Skywalker
0: again. Yeah, and if you're looking at the offshoots, I'm still going to watch Rogue One over Solo, probably. Yeah, me too. But Solo was
1: an fine. enjoyable
0: film. Solo was fine. Ah, uh, solo was in a lot of ways just Firefly.
1: Yeah, which is fine.
0: Yeah. So if you and then if you t- and then now if we're going to drop into TV, do we add in Joss Whedon?
1: See, he's one of those that I feel like he, what's happened lately has kind of soured me sure. on him.
0: Sure, I can see that.
1: I was the biggest Joss Whedon fan. I was the biggest. We I had two cats and they were named Buffy and Willow. Right. I mean, I loved everything he did, but. Just, you know, kind of, he's really fallen on hard times after a bit. He has.
0: you has. You're, there's no doubt. Um, but I still, as a personal influence, Firefly, yeah, like Buffy. On
1: me.
0: You know, you got Firefly, you got Buffy. Um, Angel. Angel. I think he did Much Ado About Nothing with Nathan Fillion as well later. And it was yeah. kind of a weird little retelling of it. It was really, I, I love that.
1: That was. I'm going to take all of my chips that I got from Avengers and make this.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna have um, fun.
1: He made one of the best horror films the last 20 years with Drew Goddard, Goddard with Captain in the Woods. Yeah, I love Captain in the
0: Woods. So, but
1: yeah, my my um, TV list though always is going to begin and end with Friday Night Lights.
0: <clears throat> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Can you can you add a TV list of creators slash directors? that doesn't have Matt Groening on it though? No.
1: No. And the funny thing is Matt Groening has nothing to do with the Simpsons. No,
0: he doesn't. But he, he kind of created it and lent his name to it. So it's still going, what, 35 years later? Yeah. So you can't yeah, argue with that. The
1: hardest one to do is who do you say was the reason Simpsons was so big? Matt Groening would probably be like number 15 or so on my list. Probably.
0: Probably. <sighs> to me, it's the voice actors.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, like, for me, it'd probably be James Brooks.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
1: Oh, another, you know, another one that um, I really wanted to put on the list is, um, God, why can't I think of his name? So I, was, I just want to say James Brooks now, not Mel Brooks. Okay, I got to look this up. This is bad. But um, he made a lot of good movies in the 80s. Okay. Uh, Defending Your Life is one of his... Albert Brooks. God, there we Albert go. Albert Brooks. Marlin, Marlin, you know. Yeah. But Albert Brooks was a great director that um he might make that Wobbly Cushion
0: hall of okay, Fame. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And by the way, folks, if obviously our part of the podcast about our our Mount Rushmore is over, so if you ever want to know what it's like when Ryan and I just literally sit around and, and talk, talk, this is it. Yeah. This is kind of what we do. And we don't the- just talk this stuff, but, you know, this is a, yeah, this is us go at our on a best road
1: trip with us to Chicago. This is it.
0: Yeah, this is it. We're gonna talk about this. We're gonna talk about I don't know just about anything. But this is kind of it. So, with that being said, uh, we've been going for over an hour now. Um, I technic- Kaylee technically has her first play date over upstairs right now. Uh
1: huh.
0: So I'm probably going to be required to go help with that. <laughs>
1: I thought you were about to say let's do another podcast.
0: I'm thinking about doing two more because she's here till one. um but uh yeah so uh i think we're gonna wrap this up but i did enjoy being able to sit down and do this um yeah we'll talk we'll talk about next week's episode soon and try to figure that out um but there's our our mount rushmore of directors um i'm curious to the listeners who are actually interested in partaking let us know what your top five is or your top four i should say are um, are they the same as ours? Do you have issues with any of the people that we put up there? Uh, you know, comment back, leave us a rating, leave us a review, subscribe, like, whatever kids do these days to things, and um, let us know what you think. Definitely. So, until next week, uh, I, I am Steve- you, what's that? I miss you, buddy. I miss you too. I can see you through the screen. I'm reaching for you, I can't touch yeah. you though. Um, so quarantine life continues with us and uh yeah we'll figure it out so uh until next week i'm steve i'm ryan talk to you later